Right, if you haven't been with us the last few weeks as we're continuing our study here through the book of Exodus, we've been talking about the different plagues that God has been bringing upon Egypt as we've been going through this. Now, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, so you've heard this passage before, but the reason, the reason God does these plagues is to make himself known. Our key verse lately has been Exodus 7, verse 5. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. God is saying, by me doing this, I am showing my power, my might, my authority, and it will leave no doubt in the mind of the world who I am. They talked about these plagues for generations following. When they went into the promised land and they get ready to take on Jericho, Rahab, the prostitute, says, we know of your God, your God who defeated the Egyptians. Fast forward even farther. The Philistines in 1 Samuel chapter 4 said, We know of your God. Your God is the one that destroyed the Egyptians. God used this as a chance to show his power and might and who he was. Now, with each one of these plagues, he also is taking on an Egyptian deity. The Egyptians had a lot of gods, little g. Well, our God, big G, is showing them who's boss. So as we go through this, this is what we've seen. Now, there's been an ongoing theme. The first one with the idea of uh, water to blood. And then after the water to blood, we had the frogs. And after the frogs, we had this continuing idea of the lice. And the Egyptian magicians kept recreating that same thing. And it's been an ongoing point to talk about this. That's what sin does. Sin. Think about that. All your water has been turned to blood. So what do you do? You turn more water to blood. Your land is completely covered in frogs. So what do you do? You call out more frogs. That's what sin does. Sin makes you do stupid things. Sin makes you work harder. And then with the frogs dying and the stench from the water being turned to blood and the fish dying, the Bible talks about the stench that was there. And we've been talking about this point, how sin just is a stench to God. It makes us work harder in life. It just makes us do things that aren't smart. They're just dumb. Because we're not in line with what God wants. And that's what the Lord is showing the Egyptians, is when you take on the Lord, oh boy. Now last week as we got into the plague of flies, finally Pharaoh conceded a little bit. And he told Moses, you know what? Take your people. Go a little ways. Yet Moses knew that the Lord had called them to go into the wilderness. And one of the points that we made last week is the Lord wants you in the wilderness. Because in the wilderness you realize the only person you have is the Lord. Sometimes people come up to me and they talk about the wilderness time they're in spiritually. And I sometimes stop and think, boy, that's a good thing for you. Because it teaches you, it's just you and the Lord. It's not about your spouse. It's not about your kids. It's not about your so-called friends or your relatives. It's about you and your personal walk with Jesus Christ. The only way that that is revealed to you is when you're in the wilderness. So he wants to take them into the wilderness. Pharaoh says... Don't go all the way. And we, and we talked about what that means, how Pharaoh wanted them to compromise and how the world wants us to compromise. You know, love Jesus, but don't be crazy about it. No, we need to be passionately involved with who the Lord is and know him and to know him deeply and know him personally. So that brings us up here to Exodus 9. The fifth plague, livestock. Note the plagues are getting progressively tougher. Nile to blood, yeah, that's gross, that's bad, that makes them dig new wells. Okay, the next one, frogs, that's annoying, that's a disgusting. Now we're then to lice, and then we're to flies. Now we're getting to death. And also tonight we're going to do boils. The Lord is getting progressively tougher with these. Verse 1 of Exodus 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go. 
that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep. A very severe pestilence. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this in the land. So the Lord did these things on the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died, but of the livestock of the children of Israel not one died. Then Pharaoh sent, and indeed not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. Now think about this. Think about how tough this would make life in Egypt. Transportation would be effective. Work would be effective. Needless to say, just the death of taking care of this. Food supplies would be effective. You can just fill in the blank here. This is the Lord doing this. Now, cattle, back during Egyptian time, they were viewed as a sacred animal. And as we've been doing these notes, we've been talking about the different Egyptian gods that would have been affected. This would have been the gods of Hapi and the gods of Hathor. And these were female gods. And they were female gods that had the head of a cow. And it was the goddess of love. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I was looking for a wife, my first thought was not, I hope she has the head of a cow. I don't get that. I don't understand that. If you've seen my wife, she doesn't look like a cow. I'm really happy about that. But from the Egyptian perspective, this cow was the living symbol of this god of Isis or Hathor. And that's what it was. So by these livestock being effective, that's their gods, little g, being effective. Isn't it fascinating? We know this. We see this. We've studied this. I'm assuming most of you have come here tonight. You know about the ten plagues. I mean, this is kind of Sunday school material in some ways. The Lord has shown his power. Why is it that we forget that? I mean, seriously, he just took on a whole nation. He sent one angel down to take out 185,000 Assyrians. In just a couple weeks, we're going to talk about how he rose from the dead. But yet we're going to worry about a situation at work tomorrow. You know, God created the world in six days, but yet we're upset about this, we're upset about that. My third son, Kenan, got glasses this last fall. And he doesn't have to wear them all the time. For those that have glasses, I've had glasses since junior high, it just becomes a part of your life. You don't even think about it. First thing I do in the morning, put my glasses on. Last thing I do is take my glasses off. Kenan only has to wear them for reading. So what happens is, there's this ongoing thing throughout our house. Kenan, where are your glasses? Where are you, your glasses? Now, he lost them again. He has no idea. No idea where they could... I mean, just absolutely no idea where they could be. So, you know, we've looked, we've put flashlights, we're, we're all over the place. And really what it comes down to is we have no idea where to look. Long story short, we kind of reach the point as a family of saying, this is really just between us and the Lord. And I was thinking about this, and I thought, what a great teaching example to my kids is to tell them, you know what, this is beyond us. And if God can create the world in six days, he can find Kenan's glasses. If the Lord can raise the dead, he can find Kenan's glasses. So, you know what, family? We made this our focus, that we started praying, help us to find Kenan's glasses. Lord, help us to do this. We've searched all over. And you know what happened? We started praying, and guess what happened? We haven't found Kenan's glasses. So now the teaching point is, sometimes God says no. And I'm still trying to figure out how to run this by my kids. The point, though, is this. First Peter, First Peter says this, in First Peter 5, verse 7. 
Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. How often do we as believers carry a burden or care on our shoulder because we don't think about giving it over to the Lord? The longer I walk with the Lord, the more I realize, why would I want to carry that fear, that worry, that anxiety for one second longer? God, my father, my brother, my friend, my spiritual bride, my savior, please take this from me. And no matter how small it is in this world, my Lord has shown me that if he can take on Egypt, he can take on anything. And we have to remember that. So, the hand of the Lord was upon them. Now, before you start thinking, this sounds mean. I mean, God's killing animals left and right. Just remind yourself what plague is this? Fifth. Now, it's building up to death of the firstborn, which is the what? Tenth. God could have started right away from the beginning with killing the firstborn. He doesn't. He started with water to blood. Frogs. Lice, flies, to get their attention. How much do we have to go through in life before we just stop and realize the Lord is trying to get my attention? If I was an Egyptian and I saw my water turn to blood, I'd start paying attention. If I was an Egyptian the next day I woke up and there was literally frogs everywhere, every step I take I'm stepping on a frog, that would get my attention. If I was still not paying attention... By the fifth plague, and I walked outside and saw all my livestock dead and saw all the Jewish livestock still living. I think that would get my attention. But you know what the hard part is? Verse 7. The heart of Pharaoh became hard and he did not let the people go. One of the most dangerous things in the world is a hard heart. I've shared this with you before. The most miserable people in the world are Christians who know what they're supposed to be doing and they don't do it. They can't have joy in the world because the Holy Spirit is convicting them. But yet when they try to go deeper in the walk with the Lord, God is convicting them saying, listen, I love you and I want you, but you have this lifestyle that's not lining up to God's word. We've got to clean this up. They can't have joy anywhere. And they walk in just this misery. Don't you think by the fifth plague, Pharaoh had to be an awful person to be around. An awful person to be around. As we mentioned here, I think it's when we get to the eighth plague of locusts. His wise rulers come to him and basically say, Pharaoh, our nation is destroyed. His heart still was hard. God allows things in your life to get your attention. And I've noticed in my spiritual walk with the Lord, he starts with a very light tap on the hand. And it gets progressively more difficult. And the reason it gets more difficult is because my heart gets a little harder and a little harder. Think about this. Jump back and relook at this wording here. He makes it clear, the livestock's going to die, verse 3. He makes it clear, verse 4, Israel's won't. And then look at verse 5. The Lord appointed a set time saying, tomorrow. Tomorrow. If I came to you and said, I'm going to come to your house tomorrow. And I'm going to do all type of evil things to your house and your property. You have forewarning. You have knowledge this is coming. You have time to prepare. When I see that in verse 5, I do not see a God that is mean and nasty. I see a God that is loving, giving them a whole day's forewarning. I firmly believe that the Egyptians would have hit their knees and would have said, you know what, God of Jehovah, we believe in you. We reject our Egyptian gods. Their livestock would have been spared. If you study out the book of Revelation, so often we jump to the end. 
bowl judgments. We jump to the end of these sealed judgments, trumpet judgments. And we look at a fourth of the world being killed. We don't realize that the first judgments are there just to get their attention. Always remember the love that God has for you. Always remember that. i got a couple of verses real quick. Dustin, can you put those up here? And these are verses we've hit before, but I just want to remind you of these. Look at these passages. First one. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness. He is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Anytime you see somebody representing God, and they have a smile on their face, talking about sinners going to hell, they're not representing God. Because God does not want anyone to perish. In fact, he's patient, waiting. I got saved 22 years ago. And 22 years ago, I started getting excited about this idea of the rapture, Jesus returning. Hasn't come yet. I was just thinking the other day, something was coming up. Oh, I remember what it was. I had to go to the dentist this week for just the regular checkup. I love my dentist, if he's listening. I love you. But I don't like going. So as I'm leaving, make the appointment for six months. I start thinking, I don't want to go back. I start thinking, maybe Jesus will return before then. That's become my thought this last 24 hours. I see the laundry in the chair. I don't want to put that away. Maybe Jesus will return. That doesn't work real well because eventually you have to put the laundry away. My point, though, is this. 22 years ago, I wanted the rapture to happen. Those 22 years he waited, more people got saved. And that's what the Lord has done. He's patient towards us, not willing any should perish. What about this passage in Ezekiel? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Remember that. Remember that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. We, we have come up with this idea of God is the angry man that lives upstairs and loves sending people to hell. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? If you're here tonight... And there's an unconfessed sin in your life. God just wants you to repent. He's not trying to make your life miserable. He's trying to make your life difficult to get your attention. But it's not like he's up there in heaven saying, Oh, keep sinning. I'm having fun here. No. Turn. Uh, Next slide, Dustin. This one's straightforward. For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. I forgot to put the reference there, but that's from Ezekiel, I believe, 19. And look at the last one, 1 Timothy 2, 4. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the God you serve. He wants everybody to be saved. He wants everybody to repent. And he is patient and waiting for that to happen. What he is doing here with Egypt is actually an example of patience and love. It really is. What he does in the book of Revelation is patience and love. What he's doing in your life and my life is patience and love. He is actually being patient. He allows the fires of life to come to our, in our feet and nip at us. But that's to get our attention. Problem is, what do we do? Our heart gets hard. See, look what happens here. Tomorrow, forewarning, reject. Verse 7, Pharaoh sent, and indeed not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead. He went and checked it out. He went and checked it out. Ecclesiastes, basically, I'm summarizing says that God has put eternity in every man's heart. Meaning that in every man, even if they claim to be a staunch atheist, that there is something in them that is yearning and looking for something deeper in life. Ecclesiastes says they're looking for eternity. Why did Pharaoh go and look in verse 7? 
I think Pharaoh was starting to think a little bit about this. Pharaoh went, found out everybody was dead. And what happens? His heart becomes hard. Which then takes us to the next one. But before we get to the next one, anybody got any quick questions, comments here? Ryan. Yeah, this was one that is, is, I guess for the lack of a better word, this plague is a very practical plague. Um, the other ones were annoying. I mean, the other ones were obviously quite annoying. As we mentioned last week with the plague of the flies, that that idea for a thick is like almost having to push flies out of your way. This, from a once again, from a practical, economical, and dare we even say from a spiritual point of view of the Egyptians, this is really starts to hit really starts to hit. This would really affect them. Anybody else have anything here before we move on? Yeah, Cindy. Uh, the first is that you can up here on the I agree. And that's, and that's a very nice way to put it. If they knew this, they wouldn't think that. And that's part of our responsibility as ambassadors for Christ, the Bible says, is that we're supposed to go represent him. And so as a representative of Jesus, when I see somebody misrepresenting God's love, God's grace, and making God out to be this mean, nasty guy, it is my responsibility to say, wait a second, let me really tell you about the, the God of the Bible, about how much he loves us. Now, now, please, this is what happens, and I'm kind of getting into Sunday morning territory here. Romans 5 was all about God's love for us, that he demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, that he died for us while we were unholy. And we talked about last Sunday, if we just stop there, then it sounds like, oh, I just walk in love. Well, Romans 6 then says, I'm supposed to take that knowledge of how much God loves me and then die to sin. And, and that's both sides of it. I have a God that loves me and has no joy in the death of the wicked, but I also have a God that's fair and just that hates sin, and sin does need to be dealt with. And so even though God has no joy in the death of the wicked, if the wicked do not repent as a fair and just God, there has to be a punishment for their sins. And that's part of also us representing Jesus. I represent his loving side, but I also represent the side of him that is judge. And I think we need to make sure that we represent God in all that we say and do. Anybody else? Yeah. So what I would like to say is that um, if it weren't for coming to church, like like this, especially in this kind of setting, with you explaining this stuff, prior to this, I didn't get it. You know, it's not all about just going to church. Right. Yeah. And that's why, you know, it's just different because you, I get it now. But look how old I am. It took me that many years. Yeah, I know. I, uh, you just had a birthday, 75, 76? <laughs> I can't remember. Um, but I mean, really, I've always believed in God. Right. And, I, and this is the what, fourth church I've been to. <laughs> But 
and that idea of just getting it. And this is, and, and I wish you wouldn't have said that, Cindy, because now I'm on a soapbox. So let me, let me get my proverbial soapbox right here. Th- this, to me, is part of the beauty of doing the verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter, book-by-book teaching of the Bible. I- I'm biased towards that. I absolutely love it. That does not mean if a church does topical messages that I look down upon. I don't mean that at all. But there's the beauty of going through this. See, so often if we just read through Exodus, okay, Exodus 9, all right, a bunch of cows died. Well, well, why? You know, one of my favorite teachings we ever did out here was a few years ago, and I'm just waiting till it's been long enough so we can do the teaching again, is we went through all the different sacrifices of the Old Testament, the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and how they all represent Jesus. And I just love, my, my favorite thing is teaching. I look forward to this, and I know that sounds dorky. I love Wednesday nights. I love Sunday mornings. I love when somebody contacts me and says, I have a Bible question. Because when you get into God's Word, it just becomes alive and active. And you kind of mention about how often people just go to church. And you've heard me say this before. And this is kind of just this idea the Lord's laid on our heart. This 21st century concept of church is not biblical. This concept we have now is let's get as many people as we can in the door Sunday. And then that way we can be proud of how many people we have. And we'll carry that on a banner of look how big our church is. And then throughout the rest of the week, do whatever you want. I mean, try to love Jesus, but do what you want. And then come back Sunday, but make sure you're back Sunday so that way we look full and big again. It doesn't matter how many people come through the doors on Sunday. What matters is are people growing in their walks in relationship with Jesus? Are we representing Jesus Christ? Are we teaching them to get into God's Word? I I just had an epiphany this last week. I was praying for some people out here at church, and I was saying, Lord, they're going through a tough time. Lord, give them peace. And I started thinking about this. What happens if they don't want peace? You ever thought about that? I've run into people, I think that they want to walk in fear, worry, and anxiety. I think they kind of get their kicks off that a little bit. I've run into people that have come up to me and said, James, I'm really struggling with this. I'm harboring unforgiveness towards this person. Pray I can forgive them. I think they like being angry. Because when you're angry, there's that, that feeling, that emotion. And what I started noticing was this, is that sometimes people are asking me to pray for peace, and I don't know if they want peace. They're asking me to pray for the heart of forgiveness. I don't know if they want it. So my prayers now have been lately, Lord, through your spirit, take them to your word. Because as they get into your word, then they'll see they want peace. They want forgiveness. See, if you come to me and you say, James, pray for peace, I can pray for peace for you. The Lord and I may agree that it would be good for you to have peace in your life. But if you walk away from that prayer and you still want to worry and be fearful and anxious, God's not going to force peace on you. What we're supposed to do as believers, and I know this is not fun, and in in the world we live in today, everything is make it as fun, as exciting as you possibly can, and keep people's attention. What we are supposed to do as a church is to get in God's Word, stay in God's Word, equip you with God's Word, and then send you out to do something with it. That is our job. As you've heard me say many times on Sunday mornings, it's a staff meeting. We're getting together as believers to equip each other, to encourage each other, to help each other. Now then go do something. And then when you get a vision of what you want to do, come let us know so we can support it. i got three people right now that have some really neat visions of outreach this summer. Really neat visions. And, and, I'm, and I'm praying that they just as confirmed. And I can't wait to bring them up in front of the church and say, this is how we're going to reach the kids. This is how we're going to reach the adults. This is that new study we want to start. And I'm just waiting for the Lord to confirm that. And once the Lord confirms that, it's exciting. The whole point is to equip you, to bless you, 
in the word and in prayer and encouragement than say, now go do it. That's the purpose of the church. So off soapbox. Um, Back to dead animals. Anybody else have any other questions, comments about the dead animals before we move on? Okay. Now we go from dead animals to boils. Verse 8. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourselves handfuls of ashes from a furnace and let Moses scatter it toward the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh. And it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt. And it will cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses scattered them toward heaven. And they caused boils that broke out in sores on man and beast. And then the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and on the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. You remember last week when I told you that word for lice in verses 16 through 19 can either be translated lice or gnats? And I said I wasted too much of my time deciding if I would rather be plagued with lice or gnats. I wasted too much of my time looking up boils this week. Just... They're not good. Let's just keep it that way. Do not Google boils. You can't, you can't get those images out of your mind. And you just, you just can't. And if you've ever struggled with that, you got my prayers. I'm just telling you, in all, and I, seriously, in all honesty, for this to be so bad, so bad, verse 10, they caused the boils to break out in sores on man and beast, verse 11, that the magicians could not stand before Moses. Note once again, This one now has gone from annoyance to pain. Please note, this is plague number six. God could have started with this. He didn't. He is in love, in grace. You may not see that, but in love and grace, He's progressively making it harder to get their attention. And what's the result? Verse 12, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Now, this is the very famous teaching point. God hardened Pharaoh's heart, starting in plague 6. Plagues 1 through 5, Pharaoh hardened his heart. The point is this. You have a free will choice. With your free will choice, you can choose to be a man of God, or you can choose to be a man of the world. Free will choice, I can choose to love my wife as Christ loves the church, or I could choose to be a jerk. Free will choice, I could choose to be a shepherd that cares for his sheep, or I could just collect a paycheck. It's a free will choice. Free will choice through five plagues. Pharaoh, do you believe I am God? Through five plagues, Pharaoh said, I reject. God then says, I take your free will choice and now use it for my purposes. Before you start thinking, well, this isn't fair. What happens if finally after plague six, Pharaoh would have said, he's God. God knows our hearts. God knows everything. God knew that after five plagues, Pharaoh's heart was made up. Pharaoh had rejected who God was. So God says, now I will take your free will choice and I will use that for my own purposes. And my purpose is to judge your gods with a little g. My purpose is to teach the world who I am. Now think about this. On a much smaller scale, don't we do this? I know I do this with my kids a lot. Back to Kenan number three. I love Kenan, but Kenan's got this little independent flair to him. We could all sit down and say, guess what? We're all going to eat ice cream. Four boys will go crazy. Dawn and I will be happy. Kenan will say, I don't want ice cream. That's just Kenan. He'll just say, I don't want to. We'll all say, we're going to go outside and have the best day ever. I want to stay in. 
So what happens is we say, Kenan, come join us. Kenan, be a part of this. Come on, Kenan, we want you. I don't want it. Kenan, come join us. We're getting the ice cream out right now. We got the bowls out. Look at the toppings we got. I don't want it. We go eat ice cream. We're cleaning up the bowls. Guess who shows up? Kenan. You guys had ice cream? Oh, come on, kid. You're pushing it, man. You are absolutely pushing it. Yes, we had ice cream. You think I could have some? Ice cream's done. It's away. Spoons are away. We're done with ice cream, Kenan. It's time to get ready for bed. I wish I could have had ice cream. Well, you know what? 20 minutes ago when I was screaming your name, you could have come and had ice cream. You made a choice. Since you made your choice, we moved on. Pharaoh, you made a choice. God moved on. It is a dangerous, dangerous, one more time, dangerous spot to harden your heart towards the Lord. If the Lord has laid something on your heart, and I'm not talking even matters of salvation. I'm assuming... I'm dealing with believers here tonight. I'm saying as a believer, if your father, your Lord, your master, your savior, your spiritual bride, your friend has laid something on your heart and said this needs to change and you're pushing that off and you're becoming hardened to the calling of God moving in your life, I'm just telling you, you're on thin ice. And I don't say that to scare you, and I don't say that to make you uncomfortable. I just say the Lord will let you in free will kind of flounder for a while. But eventually what happens is he says, that's your choice, then i got to move on. And that's a dangerous spot to be. Think about once again, think back to the altar calls that Jesus did. The altar calls we have today is everybody close your eyes, raise your hand. The altar calls in Jesus' time... He's standing in front of a bunch of people, and he would say, do you want to follow me? Then follow me. If you don't want to follow me, stay. And think of how many times in the Bible, and I can think of the example of the three people that came up to him and said, Jesus, I want to follow you, but first, let me go do this. Jesus never forced it. He said, that's your free will choice, but I'm moving on. Great example of that is remember when they were stuck on the water and they were rowing through the storm and Jesus walked on the water towards them. Book of Mark says that Jesus would have walked past them. Now, how mean of a God is that? He sees you on the water, storm, you're fighting this storm, and he's just going to walk past you? No. He wants you to want him. He's not going to force peace in your life. He's not going to force grace into your life. You can go through this week and never turn to him. That's your choice. He's available. But the longer we reject what he has in store for us, the more we harden our hearts. And that is a dangerous spot to be. Pharaoh hardened his heart, and God eventually said, that's your choice, then I'm going to go with it. So anytime someone comes up to you and starts talking about God hardening Pharaoh's heart, please remind them, five plagues previously, Pharaoh chose to reject. Anybody have any final things here before we get ready to close up? Marcus. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is, going back to what you said about there was no forewarning, think of the forewarning, and especially with the previous plague, tomorrow I will do this, tomorrow. This reminds me a lot, and I encourage you, if you want a deeper study, compare the plagues. I think we said this our first study in Exodus. Compare the plagues in Exodus to the book of Revelation. Very similar. And what happens is, the previous plagues, excuse me, the previous judgments in Revelation... There's forewarning, they're annoying, they're scary. By the end of the book of Revelation, it's just boom, right here it is, judgment. 
And like Marcus said there, this one, boom, boils. And it gets personal. Jody. Good question. People have asked that before because if I remember correctly, when it comes to the hail one that they talk about animals as well, most people believe that the Egyptians just went and took the animals from the Jews. If you're the master and your slaves have animals and you're all, they're all dead, yeah, I think your animals now become my animals. So most people believe that the Egyptians probably just took the animals from the Jews at that time. Anybody else have anything here before we go on? All right. To close up, there's really just two main points tonight. Point number one in the plague of the livestock is God's grace, mercy, love. He wants to move in your life. He wants to work in your life. He is giving you a warning saying, I want to use you. Don't reject him. Because the next point is Pharaoh's hardening of his heart. That when you reject and reject and reject, God, I think very regretfully says, I'm moving on. And that is a dangerous spot to be in. And I just encourage you, if the Lord has laid something on your heart, and you know what? This is really not deep. I really do believe that we know if the Lord has laid something on our heart that needs to change in our lives. And if he has, now's the time. Now's the time. So what we're going to do here is we're going to close up in prayer. And as soon as we're done with prayer, you're free to go. For the last 10, 15 minutes here, if somebody has something they want to pray about, we're going to do just like we did last Wednesday. Come on up. We'll circle up. We'll lift up the requests. We'll lay hands on people that want people to be prayed over. And we can just go for that. Now, if you can't stick around, you've got to get going, and you promised your coworker or a friend or you've got something that's heavy in your heart, there is a prayer request sheet out there on the visitor center. Mark it down. We will make sure that request gets prayed. But if you want to be involved, we encourage you to come up here and let's have a word of prayer together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God of grace and mercy. Thank you. Lord, thank you for being a God that cares. And Lord, help us to never have our hearts become hardened. If you are moving in our hearts right now, showing us what needs to be changed, help us to be obedient to that. Lord, we don't want to be a people or a church that's in a rut. We want to be a people and a church that is on fire for you, that, that goes out of here equipped and filled to say, I want to be a difference. I want to represent Jesus Christ in my life, being a light and a witness, Lord. Help us to do that. You are the God that is above all other little G-gods. Help us to remember that this week when we face struggles and trials and tribulations. We have God on our side. And if God is with us, who can be against us? Thank you, Lord. And we lift this up in your name. Amen. We'll see you guys next week. Feel free to come up for prayer here if you have anything you want to pray about.